This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Are you thinking about doing your own podcast, but you don't know how? Well, have you heard about Anchor? It's actually the platform that I'm hosting through this right now. And yes, it's free. Not only is it free, it's super easy to use. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It's really that easy. And guess what? You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's a big deal. So it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. In five, four, three, two, one. I told you we get right into this bitch. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. We have a very, very special guest. <laughs> Introduce yourself, bitches. Um, I'm Dia. I'm Meg. We so, are Meg and Dia. We are Ooh. sisters because someone thought we were a couple yesterday. Oh, really? Does that happen often? <laughs> no. That was the first time this guy came up to me. We were playing a So Far Sound show, which is like a house show, basically. Uh-huh. And he just said, how long have you guys been together? But you guys look related, though. I think so. Yeah. Oh, what do you think that? That's so fucking funny. That was his fantasy. <laughs> I should have messed with him a little bit, but it, w- it would it would have gotten weird for me. You should have just done it. Like we're looking for a third partner. Actually, <laughs> hey, you look you look ready. You're just the part. So you you're you're doing music again, huh? Yeah. So Meg and I split up. Um, our last record was eight years ago, I think, Damn. and then. Yeah, so we just released a new record in July called Happy Sad, and um, it's been a long time. We went through a lot. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I knew of you guys from, because I didn't listen to that genre of music, but there was people in my school that did, and then uh, they, they listened to you guys a lot. I actually met you before way back in the day. You actually performed... Um, <laughs> You were in such a bad mood that day, and it was very understandable because uh, you performed. It was it was in deep, downtown L.A., and it was right after my buddies, the stereotypes, came up. Do you remember this? No. They blew out the fucking speakers, and then you had to perform after, and your speakers and the speakers didn't fucking work. And so when you were going up, couldn't hear you for shit. Do you remember this? No, it probably was so <laughs> traumatizing that I just blocked it you out of my mind. Pissed off, dude! You were so fucking mad, and I was like, "Oh, dude, everybody get the fuck out of her way!" <gasps> no, because you were—they it, literally performed, and you know this shit was like hip hop music, right? Mm-hmm. And so that shit busted up the speakers. It was bad, like it was just fucked. And then when you came up, your nobody could hear your vocals. Oh wow! Yeah, and then I remember you. Got, you're out off the stage. I was like, oh, she has hate in her heart right now. I was like, everybody get the fuck out the way, dude. Like, you're so fucking mad. I was like, this girl's going to kill somebody. Oh, that, that sounds, sounds about scary. right. Yeah. I feel like now I've adapted more of a, well, okay, whatever. It's like, you got paid. I just move on. But, like, um, I got yeah. paid. Get the fuck out of there. <laughs> no. So, why, so why'd you guys start to uh, do music again? Because you went into acting mm-hmm. and... What, well, so let's okay. Let's go backtrack. So you guys split up, and why'd you guys split at the time? We were so we had been playing music for six or seven years at that point. Started playing music before we were twenty one. You know, so we were together for a long time, yeah. and we had indie labels. We had gone onto a major label. We had toured all over the world at that point, and we just started getting a little jaded and unappreciative oh, really? of each other. 
and weren't being very kind to each other. And this was, yeah, just got over it, got over the band, thought that we were better off separate, wanted to do something else. Um, and then Dia got the voice gig and for a while we were blaming it on that. Like you got this TV show and, mm. and so we're done, but I think it, it would have been done. It was unraveling before that happened. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's so interesting because I, I, I always try to wonder with family dynamics, right? Mm-hmm. Because you already have your personal family relationship first, right? And then you have this other side where you guys have to be performers. Mm-hmm. I, I find that so hard to balance because I don't know if I could ever do that with my brother, right? Like if my brother could perform or whatever, he was a comic. I don't think we could be a duo comic. I think yeah. I'd fucking kill him, <laughs> you, you know? So how did how did you guys balance that shit out for those six or seven years? Because things get personal. Like it's, it's, it's impossible for it not to get personal. Yeah. It, it's really hard. We've had... A lot of times where we just did not talk to each other. Yeah. Um, we're not really hostile people, though. We never got in each other's faces, but it was kind of just more of that awkward. You know, we know each other so well, but all of a sudden we'd be at Christmas dinner and all of our other sisters <laughs> would leave. And it was kind of just us. And it it was to the point where we almost didn't know each other anymore. It was like, so... Um, How's acting? How's L.A.? Cool. Good. The, the weather's pretty hot there. Is it cold wow. in Utah? Yeah. Cool. Skiing. Well, bye. I'm going to go get more food. It, it just got so weird. Yeah, it was uncomfortable at the end. I think in the beginning when we first started, we had this common goal in mind and it was new and exciting. And so we were able to keep our personal stuff out of the way. But I think over time, especially when you're going through your late 20s, the band became such a part of at least my identity yeah. and my ego and I am Megan D and this is all I know to be me is just playing music in this band. And so if anything started to get in my way or it just was such a huge hit to me, you know? Yeah. So I think, um, our egos became more fragile the, o- the older we get and the more Megan Dia tied into who we were. And I think well, there's probably a lot of fear involved in that. Yeah. You know? Cause after, after your guys like career started to skyrocket and, Cause it's weird. Cause like I said, like I grew up in a predominantly just, you know, black Asian Mexican neighborhood. And if I, if I heard of you guys, then me, if anything, cause I don't know any music outside of hip hop and R&B. <laughs> so I know nothing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you guys did have a pretty like fast trajectory. I think, do you kind of like, I, I always wonder, cause I've never been on that fast track yet. So it's like, do you feel, do you feel like in that moment, do you kind of like take things for granted a lot? Cause I, I see a lot of like even YouTubers, right? Uh, I think they, a lot of YouTubers forget where they were before they had something great happen, right? And so I see them complain about all, a lot of these small things. And I'm like, bro, like, what, what would you be doing without this shit? You know what I mean? So that 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 thing, you kind of get, your perspective gets a little fucked a little mm-hmm. bit, right? Mm-hmm. That ever happened for you guys a lot? Yeah. Well, there were, the like I said in the beginning, there were years where I think that appreciation was there, where we yeah. would stop and say, this is crazy. How are we playing Warp Tour right now? Yeah. Like, we're on the main stage today. How did we get this tour opening up for Angels and Airwaves and Save the Day? Like, this is what is happening. But I think after years had gone by, you know, six or seven years in, and then we were on the major label and we had some money backing us and we yeah. were in a bus at that point. And then I think after that, after that much time, then you start to forget about where mm. you started and why you're doing it. Because it just becomes normal at that point. Yeah, it's, it's you like just, a given. It's just, yeah, you just lose track of your your humble beginnings. Not lately, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> lately, we are very much reminded of how we started because we're starting all over again. Yeah, I mean, this tour, we're in a van. Mm-hmm. Meg and I are driving. 
We don't even have money for a trailer, so all of our merch is going to be all over. We yeah. don't have money to hire a light guy, a lighting guy, sound guy. Meg and I are tour managing. We're booking all the hotels, kind of like, how many people can we squeeze in one hotel room for this? So it's definitely back to doing everything on our own. You know what's weird about me, though? Like, I had this, I'm, you know, my friends say this is very odd about me, too. I fucking like that. I like struggling. It makes me want to work harder. So, <laughs> yeah. So, like, when... Um, I don't like struggling. Because <laughs> you're normal. I very much don't like you're normal. struggle. So, like, it's, it's weird because I stopped doing YouTube for the longest fucking time. And when you do that, like, this algorithm happens where you just get forgotten. So, you'll have 1.4 million followers, but only about, like, 20,000 will see your shit. Mm. So, it's, it's weird. And I'm more excited to do work now than I was then when every video I had had a quarter mil, half a mil, half a mil, half a mil. Mm -hmm. And, you know, money was great. And money's okay now, but it's just like then you like that's why I was mentioning you kind of take things for granted. Mm -hmm. But now that things are slowed down and I get like 10% of those views, I have mm. to work for it again. Mm -hmm. I'm way more motivated and I'm a lot happier, which is so fucking odd. Whoa, why? You got to explain that part of it. <laughs> why are you a lot happier now? You know, I, I was thinking about it the other day and I don't know if it's because I enjoy being the underdog. Oh. You know, and it's it's almost like when you do stand up, right? And so when I when I do stand up sometimes at these college shows, it's great because I it's it's more of a fan service thing, right? They they want to see me make these jokes, they want to laugh. Uh, but when I go to a comedy club and I have to make these people who don't know me laugh, it makes me feel better mm. because you you'll see a lot of stand up shows on on whatever Netflix and whatever whatnot, right? You'll see right. it, and arguably from any kind of standpoint, their stand up is fucking hot trash. But people will laugh because they have a fan base. So if they perform that at a random club, would they get laughs? I'm not fucking sure. So that is the part that keeps me really excited, where I I have to figure out a way to be entertaining without the fact that people just expect to laugh anyways. Okay. Right. So it's that it's that weird type of motivation. It's terrible business model, by the way. It's a terrible, terrible business model. Like when people see you have a certain amount of success and you just throw it away just to just because you feel like things are just given to you. It's kind of dumb when you really think about it like that. But this is that that same type of excitement that I had when I first started doing stand up. So did you do that on purpose? I didn't do it on purpose. I just kind of got over it. Like I got over doing these videos. Like mm. it, like I used to do this thing called Carpool Confessions on my channel. And that shit did so fucking well. It was very easy content. It hit like half a mil every fucking time. Yeah. So money was coming in like nothing. Yeah. And then I did it for about two months, I think. And I was like, this is too easy. So I shut it down and I did something else. Wow. <laughs> and people were all like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, I don't know. It's just too easy. Like, I don't, I don't want this. Like, I, mm. like I, I tried it. I'm done. Even like when I did, the, I did a film, I did it once. And now it's hard for me to do another one. Really? Yeah. Because I, I kind of checked it off the list. So it's like, oh, good. I'll move on and I'll try something else now. Like, it's hard for me to... I like I don't need to continue to do something. If I know I can do it once, then I kind of start to fall off a little bit because I don't care about it as much anymore. Do you feel like it would be different with different kinds of films? I remember because I was talking to Khalif about Gook when I first watched that movie. Mm -hmm. And I did it. It's it's you're a very broad human mm. because I think somebody can be introduced to you by one thing. Like I knew you for comedy and stand-up mm -hmm. comedy and your videos, and then all of a sudden I watch Gook and, you know, I've been in acting class for years and years and mm -hmm. years and I watch your performance and I'm not just trying to blow smoke up your ass. It was amazing. Oh, thank the you. movie was great. And then also I, I was like, he sings. 
And you sing really well. So then you're a singer. And then I was telling Meg on the way here, I was like, David's kind of like who I would be in another life because I love matcha. So (laughs) I would own Sip. I would own my own ice cream shop. (laughs) And then I would be in this amazing indie movie and a singer. I'm like, we are the same person, but you do all these different things. I mean, how do you balance that? And even with Gook, like... That was such a specific movie. Yeah. What if you got something that required such a different skill set of you? I mean, I just don't think I care about failing. That's why. Like, I just don't give a fuck. This mm. is one of those really... About filming? About anything. Fa- if I fucking fail, I fail. Oh. Who the Failing. fuck cares, right? Because mm. that's, that's just uh, something I had to learn. And I, I talked about this on the last podcast. And it started when I was really young. I used to be uh, very scared of everything. My dad hated that about me. He fucking hated that about me. He hated the fact that I couldn't go up and order my own food at a fucking McDonald's because I was so scared of interacting with people. And my dad hated that. He used to fucking beat my ass because I just was such a timid little kid. I just would not interact with human beings. Like I liked talking. I was a class clown, but that was just a way for me to try to divert my nervousness, right? And after a while, I think it, I, I honestly say it has to start. It's probably started really around like my junior year of high school. And then from then on, it just got better and better and better. And then um, so my junior year of high school, when I was younger, I, I was so scared of like people's perception of me. Right. I didn't I didn't join choir till I was a senior and I wanted to join choir when I was a freshman. That is so surprising to hear. Yeah. <laughs> so I just didn't want to do it because I was scared of what people thought about me. I didn't want my friends to call me a bitch. They did. <laughs> You know, but senior year, who the fuck cares? I'm leaving anyways, right? I'm, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go to college. Fuck all you guys. And in that moment, my senior year of high school was the happiest that I ever was in my four years of high school because I didn't care. I just didn't care anymore. I figured out how to study. I figured out how to read a fucking book. You know what I mean? And when, when, when I started clicking these things together, I just started trying to implement that every fucking day. And so now it's just evolved into something where I try it out. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't fucking work. This podcast, everybody told me not to do it. They were like, don't do a podcast. You're going to kill your channel. I killed my channel. But this podcast does better than my channel now. It was a big fucking risk. The first few months, there wasn't a single cent coming to this channel. And I had to go without like three or four months with, with no income. You know, mm-hmm. but... I'd rather figure out what happens if I fail than if I don't do it. And if it fails, then I'll pick up my pieces and I'll figure something else out. Because in my mind, nothing's going to fucking stop me. I'll figure something else out. I don't have this thing of I'm scared to do something because of what other people think or what I feel about it. So I like, for example, um, I had a relative that graduated college. Um, He graduated and he didn't. This is something that I hate. He didn't want to take a part time job because he thought he was above it. Mm. that mentality pisses me off a lot Mm -hmm. because for me, I'll take anything. If I don't have something, I will do whatever I can to have that. So if there's like a certain level of life that I wanted to achieve, right? Let's say I needed to make like seven or eight grand to live a certain life, right? I would work seven jobs just to get that because that's the situation I put myself in. Like for somebody like that, he says, I'm above driving for Uber. I'm above doing this stuff because I am this type of human being. You don't really get anywhere. So for me, I just don't care about failing. I'll do anything I can to get to what I want. But once I get it, I, I shift a lot. So that's, mm-hmm. that's a, it's not something I suggest people do, but it's just what makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Right. So once I did Gook, it's very hard for me to try to work on another film now. I, like I'm trying my best, but I'm not inspired to. It's, it's, I start writing and then I stop. I start writing and then I stop. Yeah. When it wasn't like that for that film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I feel like for you, you're such a entrepreneur and your own person that I feel like sometimes when you 
you are the type of person that I would imagine would be in a movie that you were a large part of the creative process. Oh, for sure. Because I was talking to Khalif about auditioning and he was telling me about when you were going in for auditions and stuff and thinking about you going into an audition room. Just I, I don't know you very well, to be honest, personally. Yeah. Even though I hear about you a lot. Um, but and I see your videos and stuff. But just thinking about you going into an audition process, because I I am the opposite of you in that sense. And I, I, I mean, I actually want to talk to you more about how you can overcome that fear, because I care so much what people think about me. And I get so nervous of performing. Um, even my singing teacher the, the other day was telling me about this beta blocker that some of her students are on that kind of help calm your nerves. Um, and I went and talked to my doctor about this because I get so much anxiety. And she said, just because of my body and different things, I can't take it. But that's to the point. But when I go in an, into an audition, I'm like, oh my God, please like me. And then I sit in the waiting room and I see somebody that is like way better than me in all these different ways in my brain. I'm like, this person's prettier. They're skinnier. They're taller. They're, yeah. they're more Korean looking. They're less Korean looking. They're whatever. And I just go crazy in my head. But I was like thinking about you in an audition room and I'm like, David wouldn't care and he wouldn't. Oh, I absolutely do not care. Do, like if somebody was like, do it this way and you didn't like that, I, you know, if the casting director says do it a little bit like this and I, I don't really feel like it fits the character of the story, I'll just say, OK, well, I want to make sure she like, OK, let's do it. But I could just see you being like, um, no, this yeah. is the way I see this person. And I, mean, I want to be more like, like how if you said that switch in senior year, like what was it a moment? Was it? an event that happened or was it kind of the span of you always kind of just, I'm going to take another risk and I'm going to, you just, I think it's this point where you kind of look at yourself and you start hating yourself a little bit. Like I, I, if I, I'm there, David, yeah. I, I look <laughs> in the mirror every day and say, fuck you. It's uh, I just, you know, life is very short, you know? And uh, you know, where I grew up too, a lot of, I grew up around a lot of fucking thugs and a bunch of losers, you know? And I, I'm already past what I think that I was already capable of when I was younger. Which is crazy, right? So I had a conversation with my fiance. She goes, so what are your goals? I was like, personal goals. I was like, to be honest with you, I don't know. Like my, I guess I have an overarching goal, which is just to be happy. And I do whatever I can to fill that. So I don't have this thing where I can't, it's, it's hard for me to stop myself from doing something because of, of, of something that I lack, which is completely within my control. To not care is completely within your control. Right. So I get nervous in auditions. Right. I go in there. But once it's done, it's out of my control. Mm. It's, it's, it's a problem for me when I see when people try to control things that you cannot control, no matter what you fucking do, you cannot control it. So what's the whole point in wasting your time thinking about it? Nothing is going to happen. It's the same advice that I give to these guys who are afraid to approach women. They go, well, what happens? Nothing's going to happen. You're not going to fucking die, dude. She's going to say no. You might cry a little bit, but you'll fucking live. Go for another one. And that's just how I approach things now, too. Even with these fucking auditions, like I go in, I try it out. And if I get a callback, I do. If I don't, fuck it. What, 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 who cares? I can only do the best that I can do. At the end of the day, even on the other side of like casting, they're just looking for the best person that fits this role. Mm -hmm. Right. Or sometimes people just suck a lot of dick and something happens. Right. And, you know, even with acting, too, like I always say this. It's really something that's completely out of your control. It's something mm -hmm. that's out of the casting director's control. It's really about who has the fucking money, right? Mm -hmm. So even even this, when I was when I started after I did Google, I got to 
in, I got to speak to a lot of execs. And what I really found out just from talking to people constantly and getting drinks with them is that the casting directors just open the door like this. And that's as far as they can get it. Other than that, it's in everybody else's hands. The director depends on how much power the director has, who the director is. If it's not them, then it'll be up to the network. Does the network like you enough, right? Do they want to put their money behind you? Sometimes, and I say about, in my personal opinion, from what I've seen and what I've heard, 70% of the time, they've already casted who they want. You are the backup to the backup. Mm-hmm. So you, you already have the chip stacked against you. And in your case, specifically because you're an actor, that's also the life that you chose. So if you're choosing this fucking life, you have to expect that out of everything that's going to happen. I always tell people with acting, it's like going into a fucking job interview fucking 12 times a week for the rest of your fucking life and having every person tell you that you're not good enough. Yeah. (laughs) You know? That sounds pretty accurate. (laughs) You know what I mean? And sometimes these casting directors don't even tell you what you did wrong and you just have to mull, mull over it at home. Just, God, what did I do wrong? You don't fucking know. Some of these catchers, they won't even fucking tell you. That's how I feel when I get rejected from clubs. <laughs> like, are you on the list? Yeah. No. Okay, go. Meg went, okay. <laughs> Meg went to did Berlin. Did I not dress right? Do I need to wear more kink? What did I do? Yeah, Meg couldn't get into any clubs in Berlin when she went to, she went okay. on a solo I trip. Didn't, <laughs> I didn't get into one club. It's called Bergain. It's okay. notoriously... <laughs> Famous for not getting in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's how my, my experience You went. just had to wear like saran wrap as a dress and you, you really fine. Do. I literally saw so many nipples in that line, like <laughs> male and female nipples with clothes like around them. But the nipples were just, just completely up. exposed. Yeah, yes. They just took their dress and wrapped it, it around was their tits. Cut. Yeah, there's just... a lot of that. Well, you had plenty of time while waiting in line to fix your shirt. I was like, does anybody have some scissors? Anyone. <laughs> just Any, the, scissors anywhere. Just cut the nipple area off real quick and then just have <laughs> just them a little fucking bit, poke like, out, dude. It'll be fine. Dude, getting in the clubs, though, girls are, it's pretty easy for a girl, though. That's what I thought. I'm a female. Done. Yeah. No. So just like casting, Meg was walking away from the club, just wondering, (laughs) what did I do? Was I too tall? Was I, what was it? (laughs) I wonder if you just slowly started bringing your dress down, that rope would have just opened up slowly. (laughs) The amount of nipple you show, it just opens up Just saying, my skirt was like going higher. And then I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm just going to go get a kebab. And sleep. I haven't been to a fucking club in like three or four years. I have been to maybe three clubs in my entire life. Oh, really? But I was in Berlin. Yeah. And Berlin is the place where the club starts at Friday morning and goes till Sunday after Sunday night. Mm. So I went at Sunday at 11 a.m. Like (laughs) the end of the club, like the party. And they still wouldn't let you in. Still wouldn't let me in. That's a self-esteem destroyer right there. Oh, man. I left and I was like, I feel so rejected. (laughs) I'm so rejected. <laughs> That's oh, my, funny. My, my self-worth just <laughs> with that bouncer. That's so fucking funny. Like, I, I remember in Vegas, too. If I just wanted to get in the club, I just had to bring a couple of girlfriends. Like, hey, can y'all just get me in? Like, here, y'all y'all fucking show some tits and I'll just trail oh, right no. behind you. I just hold the back of their hair like this. Like, I'm with them. <laughs> like, I, I'm with them. I'm with them. Let me in, please. It's not like that in Berlin, man. Yo, one, one time I got into this club in Vegas and it was packed and they weren't letting anybody in. And then literally, hey, my manager just walks in. And he goes, yo, man, we got to get inside. We're talking to somebody real quick and you're stopping me from this meeting. He goes, I'm sorry, bro. We just walked right in. Uh, he fucking did it. I was like, that's fucking amazing. Wow. How did you do that? He just made it seem like it was fucking important and he was an important person. And it was great. Wow. I guess you just have to make them feel like they're making a huge mistake to not let you in. Yeah, exactly. 
or just start coughing in their face and say you have some kind of crazy venereal disease. <laughs> That's what I'll do. I got fucking insane AIDS, dude. And I'll just cough in their face and just walk in. <laughs> but you guys are going on tour soon. Yes. This week? Yeah, we leave um, in two days for our, our first shows in Salt Lake City, where we're from. We're from Utah. Hey. And then L.A., we play New York, Boston, and it's our first tour in a while. And our first practice was, was an embarrassment. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Meg and I were just Don't like, tell the we, people. <laughs> we need to play. To, the biggest thing was playing together. As a as a team, like we yeah, just yeah, yeah. we just practice alone in our room all the time, and Meg's living in Utah, and I'm here, and and we weren't really listening to each other or paying attention to each other, so it was, I don't know, and and playing live is such a different oh. animal. Are you going to play live more? I haven't done anything live in like five or six years. It's been a long fucking really? time, but because you're starting up music again. Yeah, that's just for fun though. Like it's fun, but like I don't know if I, the whole live aspect is the most difficult thing fucking ever mm -hmm. because i mean first of all just i don't people if you guys don't do music out there singing live singing in your room and singing on a fucking mic are three different fucking oh things. my gosh yes recording is the most annoying thing i've ever done in my <laughs> life i get pissed like my buddy and i z we, we do music together he just sees me go off my go fucking bitch right because i could hear every fucking note that's flat or sharp and it bothers me and your timing my timing is always off because mm -hmm. i haven't recorded on a mic in ages and i can't get the fucking timing down and i get frustrated and i get mad then it gets worse and worse mm -hmm. and worse so live performances are even way worse because you just have so much shit to think about dude i don't know how you guys do that yet it's it's a lot. And and there's so many things outside of your control. Yeah. Like the sound, the sound is a major thing or something goes wrong with the tracks or the instruments or you drank too much the day before or yeah. whatever it is. You really just have to be careful. And it really depends on who you hire as your bandmates too. How good are they? Like if they fucking suck ass, you're fucked. Specifically yeah. if your drummer fucking sucks. Like my god, dude. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. It's, yeah. it's we're actually pretty lucky. We've been playing with um the same guitar player for like 10 years now. Oh, awesome. So, it's kind of like family. I think that's why people like performing in small cafes. You just have your guitar and then you, just, you fuck up. <laughs> you know, nobody yeah, can tell. It's true. <laughs> and you can hear everything that way. So, it's really nice. Yeah. I feel I feel like it's a lot like working out. Like when you first get into working out, the first time's really hard and you just don't want to go and it's just, you're getting your muscle memory back, you yeah. know, but if you go consistently, you know how you get into that space. It just yeah. feels good. You go, you know what you're doing. I think that our first practice was definitely like that first day back at the gym, but then the second one is a little better and the third one's a little better and like pretty soon, eventually you hit the groove and then you're finally where you want to be on the last day of tour. Yeah. <laughs> and it's that one good performance. Yeah. Record that one, please. And then tour's over and then you're like, but I yeah, like I'm good now. Let's do it again, guys. I figured yeah. everything out finally. It's kind of cool though. Like I think, hello everyone. This podcast is brought to you by Keeps. My friends out there, my male friends out there, are you worried about male pattern baldness? Are you worried about balding too fast, too soon? Or maybe it's already struck you a little bit. Well, guess what? I got the solution for your life. We're talking about Keeps, baby. Well, let me give you some factoids real quick about keeps and male pattern baldness, just to put this in perspective. Two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they are 35. The good news with today's advancements in science keeps 
offers proven treatments that can combat the symptoms of hair loss. Keeps has revolutionized the way men are treated for hair loss. You used to have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. Now, thanks to Keeps, you can visit a doctor online and get medication delivered to your home. No more waiting rooms, no more pharmacy checkout lines. Get doctor's attentions and discreet drug delivery, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. Remember, prevention is key. Keeps treatments really work. They are up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss. The sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you'll grow or maybe even save. So act fast. And I say grow because many men even experience hair regrowth with Keeps treatments. Mm, It's a possibility, my friends. So listen. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash brain to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash brain. Once again, keeps.com slash brain to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash brain. I think maybe for me, the hard part is just uh, once you do something for so long, like how would you guys keep still keep it fun? (laughs) Right. That's the hard Mm. part. I think it's how do you do something that you've done so repetitiously over and over and keep it fun that you want to do it again over and over again? You find different aspects to be curious about. Mm. So before I don't maybe it was um, the love. It was the love of music generally and just being excited to perform on stage and probably a little bit of boy chasing, like a lot of boy chasing, you know, early 20s. Nice. Now my perspectives changed because I I've had a lot of time to think about how much I miss playing music when we weren't playing music. Mm. And now I really love connecting with people. Okay. So meeting you, having this podcast about that. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about music, but I get to hear about, you know, how you conquered your fears and how you're not afraid to do anything and feel your energy. And, you know, so connecting with people it's within music, but it's, it keeps it fresh because you kind of look at it from this different thing, like what you're getting out of it. And like, my love of travel and exploring new places has really blossomed since I've in my 30s, you know? Music is such a powerful thing, though. Do you guys ever get surprised about, let's say a fan comes up and they talk about some of your old music and what listening to those songs help them through something? Mm-hmm. That's like, music is so fucking powerful. Like, you never think that, right? You would think it's like motivational speaking or something else. Oh. But something, music does something to people. It, it people, re- like, for, for example, I remember this one time so i got dumped during i was listening to funny enough <laughs> what album was it <laughs> it was i was listening to kanye west mm-hmm. it was it was graduation and i was listening to the jay-z black album and then i was also listening surprisingly to this corinne bailey ray album right and it's all, so funny that one weird one that yeah, always that gets was, thrown yeah, into the breakup just, album mix there's that one in. weird one mine was ariana grande's album like <laughs> that was my weird breakup album that it's I was so listening. weird right and i'm like for some and when i think about that those albums come to play every time anything from that from those albums plays it reminds me of her Mm. which is so fucking odd right like if i listen to a corinne bailey ray song i'm I'm reminded of when i how i was when i was 19 years old and i got fucking dumped and i think about that shit and i'm like dude that's fucking crazy and those they they weren't really connected you know but if i listen to that song it affects me emotionally almost Mm -hmm. so if i listen to anything corinne bailey it reminds me of my girlfriend when i was 18 to 19 years old yeah that's so fucking weird dude yeah it's like it music's very nostalgic and there's a lot of memories that kind of be kept in songs which is weird oh yeah so i love bride mcknight dude i got dumped i (laughs) i got dumped (laughs) 
You have no idea. When I got dubbed, this shit was so fucking funny. My my my, my best friend reminds me of this shit, but I remember I called him up and was like, yo, bro, I'm fucking sad, dude. <laughs> like, let's just go get something to eat. This motherfucker, dude, he saw me cry as I ate into a Wendy's double cheeseburger. <laughs> just fucking biting that shit. That shit tasted like nothing. I remember I just went, oh, tears were coming down. He goes, dog, you're crying eating burgers and fries, bro. This looks fucking pathetic. Really? But then I went home. I fucking put that Brian McKnight CD in. I was like, oh, God, my pain, dude. So I've been to like four Brian McKnight concerts <laughs> because <laughs> during the time I was so fucking heartbroken. I knew every lyric to every song from like three or four albums of his. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. I also think it's kind of amazing that you were crying. Not that you were crying, but... I was crying a lot. But, well, Meg and I talk about that a lot. We have a song called Boys Can Cry, but it, <laughs> it really is about the kind of masculinity of... Because our dad is totally... Like, I've seen him cry once in my life. You know, mm. he's that guy. And he's also, like, therapies for, for dumb people. Like, therapies yeah. for crazy people. When I'm like, therapy is for everybody. Everybody needs a therapist. And um, it's kind of that thing of, can men open up to their... I mean, do you feel open I mean, enough I'm, to I'm, talk? I'm from a very emotional family. Really? So... Like therapy, I mean, therapy has this weird stigma towards it, right? And people don't realize. The funny thing is, every time I hear somebody say that type of bullshit, they go, therapies for pussies. I'm like, that's funny because you sound like you need therapy the most out of <laughs> all of us. It's true. You know, like they have all this like repressed shit. And, and everybody gets therapy in one way or another, whether it's from a professional or not. We usually get it from our friends and family when we mm -hmm. talk out our problems. So one of, the, one of the biggest advice that I gave to actually my fiance, when her friends uh, talked to her about problems, I said, you know what? Don't even give them advice. I think people are smart enough to figure out their own problems. They just need somebody to bounce their ideas off of. Mm. So, for example, her friend went through this whole thing with her boyfriend and their breakup. And, you know, when she was first talking to her on the phone, she goes, oh, yeah, he's such an asshole, blah, blah. I was like, stop. Don't, don't say that. You don't need to say that. What you need to do is just listen to her and ask her questions. And she can figure it out herself because I met her friend. She's very intelligent. And as she started asking her questions and having her speak, she figured it out. She understood and she felt mm -hmm. a, a lot better. And that's, that's everybody's normal form of therapy. They just don't call it therapy, right? So therapy is, is for everybody. Everybody gets this one way or another. I get it from my mom. I call my mom almost every day. So we talk mm -hmm. on the phone. We talk about problems. Usually I find out that I'm wrong. But then, so like whenever Mariel will piss me off, I call my mom. I'm like, you know what she did? She did this. She goes, hmm, maybe you could have done it this way. I'm like, ah, fuck, I shouldn't have called you. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it, I'm wrong. And I just hang up the phone. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I came from a very emotional family. Like I said, I call my mom every day. You know, we talk on the phone. If I'm in the car, she's the first person that I call. Oh, and that's so nice. Yeah. So we have, I, I, I call her because she's really fun to talk to. Mm -hmm. she's really really fun and um it's it's like my therapy almost i guess like so, yeah let me ask you if you're working something out mm -hmm. do you think that there's a point where you should not call your mom or talk to a friend and try to like work it through yourself like when is the time to ask for support and when is the time to be like i got this you know? i don't i don't even think about that if yeah? i feel like i should talk to somebody i just talk to them hmm I don't I'm I'm I don't have that thing in between. It gets me in trouble a lot. You know, I'm I'm learning to like maybe uh hold back some of my thoughts, but I just feel like if I if I add something else to think about it, it stresses me out. That's why sometimes like a majority of the time I don't give a fuck about what I wear because that's another thing for me to think about. It's another fucking thing. I got to wake up, see if I got eye boogers in my eyes and shit and do all this other stuff. So Mariel too, she goes 
one time it just came out of nowhere. She goes, you never look into a mirror. I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, whenever we leave, you don't check to see if your hair is nice. You don't check to see your clothes. She goes, you just get up and you walk out. And because I just I stopped caring, specifically as a comic too. who the fuck cares what I look like? I'm just supposed to be funny. I'm just supposed to have something to say. So if, if, if I do something, I just try not to think too much into it because why? Yeah. Why? It, that is really smart. I'm learning a lot from this conversation. <laughs> I hope I can go away from this podcast caring a little bit less about you will find out everything. You will find out how much happier you are, like how much <sighs> happier you are. And you'll find out a lot of the positive things about yourself that become highlighted. Right. Mm. Because you're not focused on all this bullshit. Right. So for me, too, like, that's why I didn't know I was fucking fat for like 30 years. No, nobody fucking told me, you know, I was walking around like I was the shit, you know. And then, you know, the doctor comes up like, hey, bro, you're kind of obese. I'm like, "Ah, you're a hater, dude. (laughs) I just walk out, you know, and I and I found out just through health problems. And, you know, Mariel, she told me I was fat and I was like. She might have something to this, <laughs> you know. You look awesome. Well, thank you. You know, I. And I you have a you have an ouchie. I know from freaking from. I can't even. I can't look at blood. Oh, Meg okay. can't look at blood either. She sees it. She'll straight up pass out. Oh, it's okay. It's not. It's not bleeding anymore. I just, but it is a badass cut. It's like from fighting. Yeah, but this is okay too. I'm oh. okay with this. This makes me feel like I did something today. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. But yeah, it's just. And I think that's like the general thing is just stop caring so much about stuff that doesn't really matter. Who cares? Like even when you guys perform too, have fucking fun at the end of the day. And I'll tell you this. Here's some other perspective. I go to these shows sometimes and I'm sent to judge talent contests. Mm-hmm. Some of the ter- most terrible musicians I've ever heard in my life. But they play like they're the best <laughs> shit on earth. Yeah. Let me tell you this fucking story. Okay. I was out in Buffalo, New York. Right. Shout out to Buffalo, New York. You guys have some of the most untalented people on earth. I, uh, t- <laughs> I went to this talent show. Right. We've been to Buffalo. Yeah. We I went, I went no to this. Ta- Great wings, by the way. Um, <laughs> they fucking uh, this kid comes up. This uh, he's like a Chinese international student. And I fucking love this kid. And I told the story on this podcast before, but I love this kid so much that he because he made me laugh. His performance was so fucking funny. So he had this guitar. He goes up and he sings this Lady Gaga song in a thick Chinese accent. I was cracking up. I was literally dying so hard in the front. I was grabbing everybody like, yo, this guy's fucking funny. Talent show is done. I'm supposed to uh, give everybody a score from one to ten. I give this motherfucker a ten. Everybody looks at me and they go, are you serious? I'm like. What do you mean? He was fucking killing it. He had me dying. He goes, dude, he was serious and you laughed in his face through his whole set. I was mortified. (laughs) I was in. I thought it was a comedy set. He was serious. Whoa. And the point of that story is, he was confident as fuck and he was enjoying. Afterwards, he comes up to me. He goes, hey, David, maybe we should do music together because we could combine our powers. I'm like, shut the fuck up, dude. How fucking dare you? But that's how confident he is. And he's so happy doing what he's doing. He was going to drop out of college to pursue music. And I told him, no, I was like, you wait, (laughs) like finish, (laughs) finish your engineering degree and then have some fun with the music and see what happens. Cause he was going to throw his fucking life away. But if somebody like that can enjoy what he's doing and pursue with that, that type of passion that you guys already have the skills, talent, and the fucking uh, the experience, then, you know, what's there really to worry about at that point? I mean, there is something pretty amazing about watching somebody go up and just not give a fuck. Oh, yeah. Like that has never been. But I mean, for you, OK, music 
if you have a bad song, generally, I mean, I have had some things thrown at me on stage, not going to lie. Um, but generally, people kind of will just look at their phone and get over you. But with stand-up, it's an immediate reaction. I mean, how... Oh, I've done sets where people were dead silent. And so what do you... Do you kind of shut down in your brain? Do no, you Do I just, the, the bad... Vo- <laughs> I call them the bad voices that come in like, you suck. You're a loser. Like, jump off a cliff. <laughs> oh, I'm a sick fuck. I go, man, these people have no sense of humor. <laughs> and yeah. then, but that's what you do with stand-up comics is you'll do these jokes. Some of them will hit. Some of them won't. Then you have to go back and work your set. They're all testers. So you go... Mm, that's still a funny joke they didn't laugh it's probably because of the way that i said it or the way i did something the same thing with music it's Mm -hmm. like uh there was something off about this set this is how the song is and i don't think you know there's something wrong with this and you have to rework it again rework it and that's the same mentality i have with stand-up i do a joke people sometimes people boo sometimes people uh, they're not feeling it but i'm like no this joke is fucking funny i know it Mm -hmm. is but what am i doing wrong and i find out the timing was off where i placed it was off the setup was off and I work it again, and it kills a fucking room. Mm-hmm. You can't really control what other pe- how other people feel about your shit. I, I'm just trying to control what I can. And if you go up and it bombs again, then maybe you're wrong. Maybe it wasn't that funny. Then you go ask other. Then I go ask my my comic friends. I'm like, hey, what do you think about this joke? And they go, eh. I'm like, okay, it was a bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they they do have a good sense of humor. I fucking suck, and I just cross it out and I move on. Yeah. You know, it's all mentality at a certain point. And I'm not saying that I don't fucking have doubts and shit and i don't have like the bad mm-hmm. voice in my head i just have to tell that guy to shut the fuck up constantly all the time yeah even with putting up content on my youtube i stopped doing content because i got it in my head that this was too easy for me and i deserve to do things that are better and bigger right so i stopped doing this whole youtube thing and i was like no i could take this and make something else i wish i did i did gook you know i did it but I kind of neglected something that i enjoyed because i thought that i could do something bigger and better than that but i did enjoy it Mm-hmm. I really did and I kind of forgot the reason why I started doing comedy in the first place I stopped I started doing comedy and not music because I liked the way that comedy connected with people versus the way my music did because with comedy like sometimes people would say I was having the worst fucking day and you made me laugh and it changed my life around mm-hmm. and I was like cool I'm gonna do comedy for that reason and I get so, that I get that and I forgot it you know we were um I was reading Diaz some of our Instagram messages yesterday and um it was just really it just makes you feel good it makes yeah. you remember why you're doing it in the first place so for sure i mean it's 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 amazing man when somebody comes up like for example i i remember i had this show out in denver and this is during the time I was trying to lose weight before. And the reason why I did this whole it was called funny fat fit was because a lot of kids were connecting me to their old being overweight and they were okay with it i wasn't okay with being overweight it was just what i was i was just like i'm just a fat guy whatever fuck it like i didn't care so much and so i was like okay well let me just try to change people's perspective around and i started doing this funny fat fit thing and when i was in denver there was this kid that came up and he was super nervous couldn't really look me in the eye very very overweight and he was like looking down at the floor i voice was shaking and stuff and he was like yo i'm gonna try to lose weight because you did this whole funny fat fit thing or whatever and i was like oh cool and then he told me he goes this is the first time i actually left my room in a few months and the reason why is because he was in that theater when batman was playing and the the shooter came in and then just started spraying on people he was in there and he survived and that was the first time he left his room since that happened just to come to the show to see me so gave him a hug embraced him whatever so i did the show in denver again the next year this other kid comes up to me just happy as fuck super forward just fit as fuck right kid comes up he goes yo do you remember me 
And I'm like, nah, I don't know who you are. He goes, I was that kid that came up to you last time and watching Funny If I Fit, I lost all this weight and I gained my confidence back. <sighs> Fucking blew my mind. I didn't know. And I got a little pissed because like, how did you lose more weight than me, bro? <laughs> like, you stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> you know, but you know, those are the reasons why I, I forget this is why I did this was because mm. even if I can't affect everybody, there are individuals that I can affect in a mm. positive way. And so that's that's like the other drive that I started you know, creating more content. I started, I opened up a Patreon again because, well, the channel stopped making money as much as, as much money as before. And I want to expand this podcast out. But the great thing about the Patreon was that it gives me that connection with people. Now I can create content specifically for them. And it motivates me again because now I have that connection. It's mm-hmm. that same type of connection I have with that kid in Denver, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you guys have that with your music as well. So my thing is, you guys should just go out there and have fun because how long are you guys going to do this for? Are you going to do it till you're 80 years old? Probably not. So while you guys can and you enjoy it, just fucking have fun. Life is short. And I don't think people really realize that. It doesn't really click in anybody's fucking head. Life is so fucking short and it's finite as fuck. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Every day we don't enjoy ourselves is a day that we lose that we just hate our lives. I, I can't do that. I just can't do it. It just It's a waste for me. Like why? I mean I, I think when we, when we say these things, people don't realize that you have food in your stomach, you have a roof over your head. But on top of that, you guys have a fan base. You have people – you've actually done stuff in, in this lifetime already in your guys' age that most people will never get to and they wanted to do that their whole lives. And that's, fu- that's something to be said. Well, I'm going to start crying. <laughs> <laughs> it's, wow, it's so emotional right now. <laughs> it's huge. It's huge, right? So that's why I said with like Gook, I'm okay. If yeah. I die tomorrow, I'm fine. Because I got to do something that I really wanted. You guys have achieved something that nobody... I know people back at home that wanted to do music like you guys. And they couldn't do it. They yeah. couldn't. They, whether it was a talent thing, whether they didn't have the dedication or the cards just weren't stacked the right way. They just never got there. But you guys had that. Had it and still have it. So at this point for me, how I see it for you guys, everything's a bonus. Everything's a fucking bonus now. You've achieved this much. Now everything else that you get to have is just the icing on the cake. It's a blessing to get to do what you do. I, I'm blessed. I'm blessed that I get to have this podcast. Like you and me, I'm getting teary, right? Because like, <laughs> you're making me cry. You so. guys are going <laughs> to make me cry. <laughs> you're making me cry. So it's like, you know, I always talk about this with my mom because we, we grew up like so fucking poor, you know? And, uh, oh shit. <laughs> just let it out. <laughs> yeah, just nah, let it out. Good, but like, um, We're going to all cry. It's like, it's, it's, it's crazy because I remember like my parents opening this store, right? And then uh, they had like uh, a shelf and uh, people don't realize how hard it was for us because we came to this country with nothing. And so I remember as a kid, we, we couldn't afford shelves to put like our products on. It was just like cardboard boxes, you know, and I look at it now. And I'm like, I have a fucking apartment like I have all this shit. People take that shit for granted so much and it pisses me off because I'm like, dude, you don't you don't realize how fortunate you are because. There are people that would kill to be in your perspective. That's why I love doing mission trips. Mission trips helped me out a lot because when I when I went to uh, on these mission trips, I really got to see how other people lived. That's why I love traveling. Yeah, mm-hmm. traveling puts yes. things in such a great perspective because you never you you always take these small things for granted, right? And yeah. you know, uh, I had a friend named Amanda. So, you know, you got know Amanda, mm-hmm. right? Amanda asked me one time too when we went to go out to eat. She goes, she goes, how do, why are you so happy all the time? I'm not happy all the time. I'm just grateful i'm grateful like i'm just grateful that i have these fucking things i'm grateful that i get to meet people like you i'm grateful that i have friends i grew up as a kid the hardest time making friends because i was so unapologetic for who i was like i just couldn't change 
But that's why I always tell some of these kids online is those. I, I tell them, just be yourself and you'll find the right group. You you will. Eventually you will. You just have to be willing to put yourself out there. And so I just I just try to be grateful for the things that I have all the fucking time. I'm grateful that I have a fiance, which I blows my fucking mind till this day. I'm grateful that I have just anything. Like it's it's crazy. Just to just to be an immigrant, to come to this country with parents who couldn't speak the fucking language. Mm-hmm. They have a business that's still going on right now. They raised two kids that aren't a bunch of thugs. They grew up in a fucking bad neighborhood. My best friend's a fucking doctor. Like that blows my fucking mind. I looked at him the other day when I went to Sacramento. I was like, do you realize you're a fucking doctor, bro? From Sacramento, California, from South Sacramento, with a fucking hooded ass area. You're a fucking doctor, dude. Amazing. And it's and I told him we're breaking stereotypes. You're a black dude that's a doctor. I'm an Asian that's a comedian. <laughs> You know, it all fucked up. So I think that always just helps me enjoy what I'm doing. And it kind of gets rid of this whole thing of like, you know, why do I, why do I suck? Like, why, why do I feel this way? Like, fuck that shit. Fuck that fucking voice, man. You're going to go through that every day for the rest of your life. But it's your job to make sure that you silence that voice and just have great people around you that'll lift you up. Like, it, it all doesn't fucking matter. Like, it's, if you're waking up every day and the first person that beats you up is yourself, you're already fucking up. Like let mm-hmm. let the world do that to you. Mm-hmm. Let everybody else try to bring you down, but you shouldn't do that to yourself. You should you should be the one to tell yourself you're the shit, mm-hmm. right? Because I can't do that. That's why I said I walked around fat for my whole life because I thought I had a six pack. Nobody <laughs> told me otherwise. You know what I mean? Like I, I I literally walked into other places looking at other fat people, even though I was arguably fatter than them, and I was like, they need to get their life together. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that's how fucked I am. You know. So I think like you guys have something great going on, and um, you know, I'm I'm kind of glad that you going back into music because I, I i'm doing music right now for fun because i i lost that magic because i kept on trying to turn it into a fucking business you know it's like yeah. oh i gotta i gotta do covers that everybody knows and then i gotta make music that everybody likes but what about me why can't i just do shit that i like right so i like i did like a fucking like a kyle dion cover and people know who fucking kyle dion it's not a not a lot you mm-hmm. know but i did it because i enjoyed it and people like the music so that's that's yeah. the satisfaction that i get you can hear that in music, though, when you can just tell somebody is enjoying it. Yeah. And I don't know. I like listening listening to that. And you can also see different... Like, your music is very intimate and, <laughs> and so <Sexy> romantic. <laughs> I was, my favorite is um, All I Need. I, I just really love acoustic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, really chill acoustic stuff. But it's fun because you can almost show different sides of your personality yeah. that people really can't see. But... Um, I wrote, that, I wrote that song when I was fucking 19. What? Yeah, I wrote that when I was 19. And then my uh, my, my buddies uh, finished up. They wrote the bridge for me and that's it. I wrote that when I was 19 years old when I got dumped. See, but isn't that kind of... It's, <laughs> it's almost like a journal entry that's out there in the world. Yeah. And it's still affecting people. Meg wrote one of my favorite songs that she's ever written when she was 15 called Masterpiece. And it's just... It's all these kind of little... Yeah. Things that remind you, and not only is Masterpiece, I mean, Masterpiece is special to me because of the time it was written. And that was when we really didn't care because nobody knew yeah. anything about us. We weren't doing anything in music. And that was such a good talk for me to listen to because I'm constantly judging myself and like, oh my gosh, we're getting older. Like, we're like, how much longer are we going to do this? And it's kind of that thing of, 
I was thinking about aging and like when you're 10 years old and you're singing, it's, oh, this is so cute. You're singing when you're mm -hmm. 15. It's like, maybe yeah. you should get into lessons and make this a thing. And then when you're 20, it's like, this is fun and romantic. And, and then when you're 30, it's kind of like, oh, are you still, you're still going? And then 35, 40, it's like, it gets almost sad to people. And, and I'm kind of wondering, does it have to be that way? Um, I don't think it does. I think um, the, the, the foundation has to be right. It's why, why do you do it? Yeah. It's why? Like acting too, specifically acting. Why do you do it? A majority of actors don't make it. You have to love doing this. Yeah. You have to love getting emotionally battered all the fucking time. So if you can do this shit every day for the rest of your life and whether you make it or not, isn't even in your, in your mind, then that you're probably on the right track because it makes you happy. Mm -hmm. Act, like it just any type of art form is hard to make because it's not it wasn't originally started as a business that's something that came after it was people just wanted to express themselves in the right way the, how they wanted to do it and if you can do it just for the joy of it obviously there's a business aspect that you want to think about as well but you, I don't think that people should think about if I don't make it because if you think if I don't make it you're kind of already not in the right business that's so true right because <clears throat> There's people who are great actors now. They all started somewhere. People popped off really late. Fucking Idris Elba popped off super fucking late in his life. Mm -hmm. But he's like the biggest thing out there. And, they're, they're, and that's what I love about acting and comedy. It's, it's timeless. It doesn't matter. You may not become the, the best actress right now uh, during the time you want it to be. But if you love the fucking art, what does it matter? What, yeah. does, what does it really matter, dude? Like even stand up, like I, I do stand, I haven't done stand up in a while in, consistently because it's not something that I'm interested in, but I'm, I'll only get better with stand up with time. So mm -hmm. if I tackle this 10 years from now in my 40s, it'll probably be better stand up than it was when I'm 30 right now. And that's the same thing with acting. You're just stacking your chips right now. Life experiences, all these conversations that you're having, it affects your acting. And especially even, especially with music, especially when you write, when you go through these things. Your music gets better. You write better things because you have these conversations with people, and then you just kind of collect. We're all just like this, this, this being that just is a database of just gathering stuff. It's just a matter of how you use it, right? Yeah. Like it's hard for me to write love music right now because I'm not in that mode. Like I love my fiance, but I, I need her to break my heart. You know what I mean? Like I told her one day, I was like, "Can you just like cheat on me real quick, and then, but not really do it? Just say it, and then I'll write some dope ass music." You know what I mean? <laughs> just fucking do something terrible to me. She's like, "I can't do that." <laughs> Like I love you so much, dude. You stupid bitch. Oh, let's let's fight. Let's let's do something. Let's just, let's wrestle. Let's I don't know. Like oh, I fucking hate you, you know. But back in the day, she when she and I used to fight. She and I used to fight all the fucking time, man. Like we used to be at each other's throats. And now it's like in the past year. Wow, is that my phone? Fucking dumbass. Oh, whatever. It's okay if it goes off. But if I now we don't fight as much because I've probably matured as a human being. Um, we used to fight consistently i think like every time we saw each other we would go at it but uh we had turning points in our relationship where we figured out like yo what the fuck are we fighting about mm -hmm. and it's the same thing that i apply in my life that i now i apply in my relationship is i want us to be happy so this petty shit doesn't matter anymore right so why did you do this why did you do if all i have to do is say sorry which is very hard for me sometimes and it alleviates the situation just say sorry because even if you're not what's the point <laughs> You know, what is the fucking point? I mean, I know I'm very repetitive with that, but that's just how I, I have to view things because I just that if my goal is to be happy and she's not doing anything that's fundamentally wrong, like morally wrong, 
then what am I really fighting for at this point? She's sad. She's crying. We're fighting. And nothing nothing came from this. We didn't learn from this situation. All I learned is that I'm an asshole. And I, I made it a point to want to make her cry because I felt that she deserved to cry, which is a terrible thought to have. So I don't do that anymore. I don't, I don't fight in order to win. I fight to try to prove a point to get her to understand where I'm coming from. And once she understands, then the sorry comes. That's just my only stipulation. You just have to understand my perspective. If you understand my perspective, we can disagree on it. But if you don't understand it, then we'll fight longer. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's it. That's one thing. It, I mean, you're talking about a romantic relationship, but that's one thing Meg and I have worked on a lot is our communication. And I feel like I'm a fight it fight to win person. And that's mm. been really hard for me to change that perspective with Meg. And, and we talk about our relationship a lot like that to to make sure that what happened before with our big breakup doesn't happen again. Yeah. This, it's hard. It's that, that saying of let's just agree to disagree is a lot harder than people say it is. Mm-hmm. It's really fucking hard because you sometimes you take it as a personal attacks. Yeah. Well, it seems like a lot of the, the arguments that we have, it isn't really so much about the thing that we're talking about. Like what is going to be on the cover of this, you know, album or something. It's more just something that kind of got off in our relationship generally. So I find that when mm. we kind of take a beat, go do our own thing, usually have another conversation that isn't about whatever the argument was about, about how we're feeling personally and how we feel like with music in general. And then when we go back to that thing, it just seems so like it doesn't matter. And it's it just, just like dumb. gets solved and it and it wasn't so much about that thing. You know, See, that's awesome, too. It's just like now I think for all of us is how do we get to that point faster? <laughs> You know, yeah, well, that's a great question. Yeah, I, yeah. I, don't know. I don't know the answer to that, really. But that's what it always boils down to. Isn't that so fucking funny, though? It's just, what, yeah. the, what the fuck was this about? Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. And that just shows how dumb it was. This is dumb. Uh, that's why I'm going to Hawaii uh, tomorrow, right? That's, oh, wow. That's why I love Hawaii, though. Hawaiian people, man, they don't give a fuck, man. <laughs> they literally don't give a fuck. It's come sometimes too much. You know, it's like, you know, feed your kids. But we, <laughs> Hawaiian people have this just very just lax thing about them. Like, I even saw two guys, when I first came to Hawaii, I, I was taken to a bar. There's these two big-ass mokes. Mokes are like, I don't call them like Hawaiian hillbillies, right? Just country-ass dudes. These two mokes go at it, and they, this guy looks at me and goes, you got beef, bro? Which means, like, you want to fight and shit? He goes, it's like, the fuck you looking at, bro? They go out, like, you try to scrap? You got beef, bro? They go outside. They start throwing down, like, they were trying to murder each other. The other guy just knocked the dude on his ass and started pounding him, got up. He goes, you good, bro? Sound good? Come up? Cool. Tapped it up. They went inside and got a drink. I was shocked. I was like, "My God, these these fucking grizzly bears! Is this is this what they do in Hawaii?" But I feel like that's their culture. They have a fight culture, and once they squash their beef, they go with it. They don't harbor it in their hearts, and they kind of move on. Which that's why I love going to Hawaii. It puts things in perspective Mm -hmm. for me. A lot of these people in Hawaii too. There's not a lot of job opportunity out there, so a lot of people work two jobs, and they have a family. They have what they need. They chill. They respect the land. They live fucking happy and they're not rich, rich, except for a few people on the island, but they're, they're happy. How do they figure it out? They don't have all the best, nicest fucking things out there. Well, how do they do it? Right. And this city fucks you up too a lot. It's a city of comparison. Yeah. You always look at what's, what, what's in somebody else's pockets all the time in this fucking city. And it's annoying because I catch myself doing that shit sometimes. I got, people don't realize that shit. I got rid of my Tesla for that reason. I got that Tesla to show people that I had money. Stupid. Dumbest idea on earth. I hate cars. <laughs> I, I fucking hate cars. Why do I get that car? Why? Oh. So stupid. It's the dumbest. 
dumbest thing I've ever invested in. It was because I wanted to say, and I don't know if people agree with this, but I think people buy nice things that they don't need to say, look at what I have. I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel. I feel like that's what having material things are. It's like, look, that's why people have those fucking Kanye West t-shirts, right? It's a white t-shirt. And they go, the only way I would have known that this was a Kanye West t-shirt was because you told me it was, you fucking loser. <laughs> right? Other than that, yeah. it's a white t-shirt, right? Yeah. But people make it a point. They're like, yo, you see what I got this shit? I don't care, dude. I could really fucking care. You're not going to take that shit with you when you die, man. And I got rid of a lot of my stuff because I was I held on to it because I wanted to show people that, yo, all this work that I did wasn't for nothing. Instead of just showing in how, how like grateful I am. To have these things, I did it by buying nicer things all the time. Fuck all that shit. I drive a Honda Element right now, and that shit is falling apart. Like, <laughs> consistently. I think I've honestly spent more money fixing it than it was to buy it Ooh. at this point. But it keeps me fucking humble. And I love that car. People think I do it as a joke, which it kind of is. But at the same time, I do it because it's all I really need. Until I have a kid, I'll get something a little more safe because that motherfucker falls. <laughs> when I have a kid, I, I have to care a little more about the kid. But I doubt I'll ever get a car that's that expensive. Who cares? It doesn't really matter, man. I want people to think that I have nothing. It's the best way to go about it. Maybe it's also because I grew up in a Christian household too, mm. right? So it's that whole like Jesus Christ mentality. You don't need all that shit, dude. Even if like people say like I'm not too hyper-religious, which I'm not, but I'm, I still consider myself a Christian because I still have those great things that I learned from Christianity. I still try to apply that in my life every day. It's It's hard. I always say this, the mouth of Satan, the body of Christ. <laughs> that's, that's what I got. I got this dirty fucking mouth, but I got the body of Christ. And then whatever happens in the bedroom, Satan comes out again. But other than that, we <laughs> good, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm Christian as fuck, you stupid assholes. You know? Yeah. You seem very self-aware of everything, which I think is awesome. Because I feel like so many people can just walk around not really understanding why they do things or why they have that car or as you were talking about that i was thinking do i have anything in my because ha- i wanted those um those shoes with like the heart on them do you know what i'm talking about oh, you're talking about the saint laurent's yeah I, I think so yeah I, um, I know nice things <laughs> but i know that they're more expensive than regular converse mm-hmm. and i mean i like cute things so i like little hearts and little okay. faces and stuff but i was like do i want those because they're the cool and show that i know fashion or something or do i want them because they're funny heart faces and i was having that kind of thing in my head you know i'll tell you though it's not wrong to like nice things there's some there's nothing wrong with it it's just how it controls your life is what i don't like it's 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 okay to have nice things right But, but people always spend more than they need than they have too because they feel like they need to be something than who they actually are already if you're fucking broke should you buy like the nice fucking clothes? Should you? Probably not. But in that moment that it makes you feel good, the reason why I don't like materialism for me and what I found out was that every time I bought something new, it had to be replaced with something new again. Mm. Again. Because mm. you keep chasing that feeling. It's like the same feeling when you gamble, right? People gamble because they like that uncertainty a lot. And that's when you buy nice things. It keeps You keep trying to fill this void that you can never fill. That's why, I, once again, we go back to traveling. The money that I spent in traveling when I go back, like I went to Taiwan, one of the best trips of my life. Mm. I go back and I think about Taiwan again and I get happy. Things that I buy, it's done for that moment. I look back at it again. I could give a fuck less about it. But experiences, memory, like being 
grateful for the things that you have. It gives you that same feeling all over again. And you can go back to it and be happy. Shoes, I used to buy shoes like a motherfucker. And that was specifically because I grew up broke and I got money now. So I'm going to get those motherfucking shoes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm going to get them. Bought all these shoes. Didn't wear any of them. Just had them in these nice little cases. I looked mm. at it every day. I was like, look, everybody, I got shoes. I got two feet, but I got 40 shoes. <laughs> See this, guys? <laughs> this is, this oh, is what I have. I'm a fucking, uh, I'm a fucking centipede, dude. I get, <laughs> like, why, why did I do this? It's so dumb. You know, and I sold a majority of my shoes. Um, the ones I didn't sell are the ones that were gifted to me from friends. Other than that, I, I learned. I was like, I don't fucking need this. That's true. I just went on a trip that I felt was very... Um, introspective and enjoyable i went to europe but i wonder i don't think this is true and i wanted to ask you like Mm -hmm. if you feel like traveling or wanting to travel might also be kind of feeling a void in a way too but it might be looked at in a slightly more acceptable form to spend your money on i think it 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 does fill a void but it fills it and it stays filled (laughs) <laughs> that's great I mean? to hear because wow. i am now planning another trip <laughs> yeah it's because it you can look back at those memories and it makes you happy again yeah I, I i really feel like traveling helps me understand like the world in general better that's like stuff, whenever i consume art especially mm-hmm. and i think you could keep that forever and that's the point that i'm making it's mm-hmm. I, I can't keep these material things forever until i die like you can but will i ever like it's like iphones right you get the latest iphone it's fun while it's here but i'm kind of have to get the next best one and the next one after that it doesn't really do anything. Like I, I could care less. Like I had this iPhone eight that I got from my friend, and I'm pretty good with it. <laughs> like I don't plan to get another one unless this one breaks. Yeah. You know, I just, I just don't care for those things. So I think that's the intrinsic difference between that and then buying material things, because it fills it up and it stays filled, and it just that 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 reservoir continually gets filled, and you get to share these experiences with people. That's why I like traveling with other friends, because we get to look back at it together. We go, yo, remember that time when we did this, and you get happy again, and then you want to go back to it. And it just is the gift that continually keeps on giving because it gave me perspective. Buying me something doesn't really give me perspective unless I fucked up, like the car. Like that gave me great perspective. <laughs> that shit was 1500 bucks a month for that car. The dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. And I was like, it's a Tesla. That motherfucker going to pay for itself. I ain't paying gas. Not that much, dumbass. You know, <laughs> the fuck, you idiot. You know, but I didn't really think about it, but I enjoyed it for the moment. And I would learn. And now I don't really care about that stuff. Yeah. And I'm a lot happier for it. I'm way happier than I was than when I had that. I, I, I lost, I changed my health, lost weight, got rid of a lot of things. And my relationship with my fiance got way better. Because I was trying to distract myself from really fixing myself as a human being by buying things, you know, diving myself into work, Hmm. you know. Sounds like somebody. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's me. Self-care is super important, man. I mean, I don't know if you guys want to try this, but every year at the end of the year, um, before it hits New Year's, I go next year's goals that are very, like just one goal that I want to achieve in the next year. And I look back at everything that I've done this year and I say, bro, you did a good job. That's what I do. Helps me out a lot. I'm like, hey, man, you did this. And if you didn't do as much as you thought you could, then you take that and you bring it on to next year. Mm. It, it helps out a lot. That's what I, I always do that every fucking year. And I don't know when I started that shit, but it um, it was a while back. It was definitely before I moved to L.A. And I used to write it in a little book and shit because mm-hmm. I thought I was fucking tired. I was like, man, everybody doing this shit. I'm writing books too, homie. <laughs> do you but, remember what your goal was for this year? <laughs> every fucking year was to lose weight. And, then I, <laughs> and it took 30 years and I did it. <laughs> I'm like, well, you did it. 
it. On to the next year. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, motherfucker. And then finally it's checked off. I'm like, oh, it's gone. Yeah, we do that as sisters when we go hiking. That's true. We have this ritual where we'll get to the end of the hike and then we'll say, all right, everybody, what's your goal for the next? It's usually like for the next time we see each other, which will be mm. either like a season or a, a year sometimes or a half a year. And this last time we went, my goal was to do solo traveling. And I did my goal and went solo traveling kind of for the first time. And it did feel good to say, what were your goals? I don't know. I think I said something like this. And then they said, yeah, you did say that. And you did it. Wow. I did it. And it feels fucking good. It feels good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the, 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 the overarching topic of this is being grateful. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? I, but I, I feel like I really, I really needed this talk today. Yeah. So I'm going to carry this with me. Um, yeah, I, onward. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, Ellie fucks you up, though. Like, I, I, Ellie really, really fucking does. It's, it's hard <sighs> to get away from it. It's, it really is. David, sometimes it's like two in the morning. I'm down some rabbit hole of an Instagram looking at like a supermodel who's like 19 years old who has six packs on her arms. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, why? Why am I? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm crazy. It's 2 a.m. Who is this? How did I even get here? Why? Yeah, or you could do what I do, which is very unhealthy, but it helps me out. I'm like, Psh, her parents probably beat her though. Whatever. <laughs> like, I start creating like these backstories that don't exist. I'm like, parents don't love her. <laughs> whatever, bitch. Whatever. I got. <laughs> whatever, dude. She probably go blind in ten years from being a dumb bitch. David. And then I move on. And I'm like, hey, I feel a lot better. It's a Korean thing though. It's called Han. We have Han, dude. And I just, it's like this vengeance type of thing. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's how Gook started too. To be honest mm-hmm. with you, people wouldn't cast me. For for shit, they wouldn't um, like casting uh, fucking agents wouldn't sign me. It's it's for like digital media. They wouldn't send me out to auditions. I'm like, okay, I'll do my own fucking film then. Fuck you, <laughs> right? And then lo and behold, it happened. It happened a lot faster than I thought it would, but it happened. That's I don't know. I'm maybe I'm a little weird like that, but I like how you just did that, and then you just did this amazing film because most people's first films. I did a horror film that you will never see that Khalif <laughs> made like this weird meme where like my arm, like, <laughs> like my prosthetic arm comes out that's uh-huh. like one fourth the size of what my regular arm yeah. would be and just like kind of explodes. Um, but like everybody has those weird, awkward first movie moments and yeah. yours was just like the Sundance darling, <laughs> best performance ever, incredible story. I mean, I linked it with the right people, too. I mean, Justin killed it. You know, yeah. that, that's that's all Justin right there. I, mean, I just brought in my perspective and then my life story to it and then kind of bring life into it for, for my character and, and, you know, like the black perspective. But, yeah, I just that's what I'm saying. Like, even that, that's why I'm so I'm like, damn, I can't believe I fucking did that. That's crazy to me. Yeah, I, I can't believe I even got to go to. Sun- I didn't even know what really how big Sundance was until I went to Sundance. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I was like, oh, shit, do you, do you, I see these people in movies. Like, what are they doing here? And they're like, dude, Sundance is a fucking big deal, David. And I'm like, oh, shit. All right, David. Oh, look at that motherfucker. Get on my level, bitch. <laughs> Suck my nuts, motherfucker. <laughs> did you go to Sundance? No, you go to Sundance? No. <laughs> you know? But, you know, even with that, too, it harbored a lot of weird feelings from from other friends who are actors right um mm. not not my good friends but they're like oh you got into sundance just like <laughs> do better bitch i don't know what to tell you <laughs> i suck my fucking nuts because i shouldn't have to feel bad for my accomplishments because you feel bad why that's what? true why do i gotta feel bad it's not like i'm really doing anything with it <laughs> you know i think that even pisses them off even more they're like well why don't you go on more auditions who said i wanted to be the, the best actor on earth i never said that i just said i wanted to go into sundance and i wanted to make a film I did what I wanted to do. You can't tell me to be happy with your fucking goals. I hit my goal. 
You know, mm-hmm. pe- people are kind of weird like that. And like yeah. I said, LA is a weird beast. It, it is that weird thing of, of, you know, if somebody does it younger, if they do it faster. So yeah. my friend was telling me that somebody just moved from like the Midwest and they were kind of asking about how to get into acting. And then a, a month later, they book a series regular and, and, you know, we're on like our 300th audition, our 300th no. And there is a piece of me that's like, but then on the other side, it's like they were the right person for the job. Exactly. It's not my time right now. And, and a big lesson that I had to learn was that when somebody gets something, they're not taking it from me. Exactly. They're just we're all riding this wave together and a win for one person is a win for all of us. We're all like raising the tide. And that was a big mentality shift. See, that's real positive. I don't even do that. I'm just I know like, that was a lot man, of positivity that's, that's crazy, in that. Dude. I don't even do that. I'm just Thank like, you guys. I just do this. I go, damn, they got some terrible taste. All right, <laughs> on to the next one. You know, I don't even go that far. You're really positive. I'm just like, damn, they got picked. They fucking suck, dude. And I'm like, dude, what am I gonna get then? You know, I'm gonna get something better, right? Because that person's hot fucking trash. So I don't know. My my, I, I'm positive in a different positive way though. <laughs> I still got to talk my fucking shit, you know? Oh, L.A., dude. I'm telling you. L.A. is, is LA. whatever. It's, Whenever I visit her in Utah, I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's more intense. I mean, L.A. is more intense than Utah, but Utah still has its thing. Like, Utah is, um, Salt Lake City is a very small community. Yeah. So we're still comparing, like, who did what not and who's with so-and-so and who's, who's Mormon, doing well who's and who, you know, like, <laughs> it still happens. Yeah. I mean, it's just... It's in. It's, in it, it's on a different scale. I just. It see is. A, it is more intense. I, I think it's harder for a lot of women, um, mm-hmm. just because I've seen. I I almost don't see women with lip injections and fucking uh fucking shit here and here now. It's like, whose face is their face anymore, man? Like what? What's wrong? What was wrong with your face before? You were completely fine. You were beautiful the way that you were, but you got it in your fucking head from going on Instagram and seeing these other girls and you see their fucking likes and you wanted to be like them because they got attention and now you fucked up your fucking face because you couldn't appreciate what you had. And it's terrible. I I fucking hate it with everything that I fucking have. That's the thing about Korea too is... is, I hate that shit. Yeah. I'm not sure if this is still accurate, but I heard that South Korea was the number one place in the world for plastic surgery, especially the eyelid surgery. Oh yeah. It's cheap there too. Whenever whenever I go to Seoul, I just think everybody looks so pretty and unique and like I, we didn't get Korean eyes and I, you know, you always want what you can't have, but I think they're so pretty and they're trying to fix what I think is beautiful and it's all that weird... Ugh, you know yeah i just i just don't like that i just i think it's a weird shift you'll see it in tweets too because before the shift was before the the conversation was appreciate what you have love yourself right now the thing is well if it's my body why can't i change it why do you care that's the that's the rhetoric now mm. i'm like what the fuck happened dude what 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 fucking happened they go oh, see my nose job i don't give a fuck what y'all think i'm beautiful Thirty thousand fucking likes it's like no you do care what people think because you changed your fucking nose so you do some now some of them, mind you, have some fucked up noses. So I'm like, you probably needed it. But there's some people who have some regular ass noses and they just want it to be more Western or something mm-hmm. or some shit. Because I saw one girl, her, her nose looked like a fucking, uh, what do you call it? Like a habanero pepper. That shit looked fucked up. But when she changed it, it, it was a good thing for her. Like it looked terrible. But the other people too, they just don't need to. And I don't, I don't understand. I guess that's, it, sh- it shouldn't be my place to tell somebody what they need or what they don't need. But you're going to age. Things are going to happen. When you get old, nobody gives a fuck about what you look like, right? I've, I've never looked at this 70-year-old woman and be like, mm, what the fuck you look like when you're younger? <laughs> I'm not thinking that shit. I'm just like, that's an old lady. 
And I'm pretty sure that she lived a very fulfilling life without it. And I think that changing your physical appearance and doing all these like cosmetic surgeries, I think you're really trying to cover up an insecurity that you have that can't be fixed with a knife. That's my that's my shit. Because a lot of the people mm. that I know that do that, they constantly want to fix something else. Oh, I don't like mm. this. Oh, I don't like this. I have this. I don't like this. It's like it, it, it's never fucking ending. It's never ending. You will always scrutinize yourself for every day for the rest of your life, whether you think it's fixed. Because the moment you fix that, you're going to know something else is wrong. Oh, this eye's a little smaller than the other one. It's like, God, dude. And it's always like the prettiest girls that I know, too. The ones that are the most beautiful. And they scrutinize everything about their face. And I'm like, girls would kill to look like you, dude. They would kill to look like you. And you don't even appreciate what you have. So fucking sad, dude. Yeah. Mm. Well, guys, that was an hour and 13 <gasps> minutes in. This is only Whoa. a 45 minute podcast. That was great. Yeah. You know what? I usually get other people to cry. You made me cry. <laughs> we're always, you made we're me cry big. first. Meg, you, you evil woman. You got my ass, dude. And they saw me. These motherfuckers, they're like, duh, somebody got David. This was supposed to be a comedy podcast originally. And it turns out I'm just a pastor. So I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that uh, we get real deep in here because it starts really fun and light. And then it's like, oh, man, there's some deep shit we should probably talk about. I swear, I think I think about eight or nine people cried on this podcast. And I don't know really? what it is, but y'all are some hurt human beings, man. <laughs> y'all are some hurt human beings. We're artists. We're open and vulnerable. <laughs> I love you guys. Well, guys, that wraps up this episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. Plug everything that you guys want to plug. Oh, um, our new record is called Happy Sad. We're on tour. We're Megan Dia. Check them out. Amazing musicians. Super great guests. You guys can catch the Genius Brain Podcast on every audio platform out there. If you're on the iTunes podcast, give us that five star. I love you stupid, stupid sons of bitches. Be grateful for what you have because if you don't, I will take everything from you. I fucking love you. Bye. (laughs) 